0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Parish in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full full of grace, grace, the Lord is is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for us us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On today's episode, we're going to speak about Dominican nuns. Um, we have some Dominican nuns who have uh, relocated from uh, Buffalo, New York, to the Diocese of Columbus. Uh, the Dominican nuns are a little different from Dominican sisters. Uh, Dominican sisters tend to have an apostolate or work um, that keeps them very much connected to everyday life of most people, such as, for example, teaching in schools, is one example, or serving uh, the sick is another, um, or helping in a parish is another. Um, Dominican nuns are a contemplative uh, vocation. It's a vocation that is uh, separated from the everyday life of most people, although they can visit them, uh, and it's a life that's given especially to to prayer, to God, worship of God, and uh, and and work you know, and community. Um,
1: so the order has, uh, the Dominican order has traditionally understood itself as divided into three categories, mm-hmm. with the friars as what's called the first order, the moniales, the nuns, as the second order, and then all the other groups of lay Dominicans, uh, which include both, you know, let's say lay Dominican fraternities or clerical German, Dominican fraternities associations of the faithful mm-hmm. ordained and not ordained but also uh groups of sisters under who are regular sometimes regular third order or used to be called regular third order who are now uh, who are organized under constitutions live a religious life but generally are involved in some kind of an apostolate the 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 nuns are pure contemplatives mm-hmm. and it although we call them the second order it's uh, it's been argued that they, in fact, are the oldest part mm-hmm. of St. Dominic's work, because St. Dominic actually put together a community of nuns before he organized the friars.
0: Maybe tell us more about how that happened.
1: Well, that was, of course, in the course of the Albigensian heresy. And as uh, and this is back in the, back uh, in the 13th, century, 13th century, right? And uh, it's a heresy uh, in southern France and Italy. It was uh, a horrific uh, acid on social order. Uh, Because uh, I mean, there was a number of things uh, about it. I mean, the big thing was that they they taught false ideas about salvation. You know, they they believed that if you could, that salvation was to free your body, your soul from your body, and the way you did this was by by you know. In in, they said you had two groups: the perfects and then everybody who wasn't. The perfects became so. Put perfect by their one sacrament, the laying on of hands called the Consulamentum. And once you began that, you were supposed to begin what's called the Endura, which is basically starving yourself slowly towards in the direction of death. So their mm. clergy lived this life, radical poverty, uh, radical fasting, uh, all with the idea of weakening the power of the body. Uh, a lot of people, of course, only receive the Consulamentum on their deathbeds. But before that, you could do anything you want. Mm. You know, so there was, because you were considered the devil's play thing, and, you know, the devil's going to play with you as the devil's going to play with you. So you can see it was a very popular kind of heresy mm. for that reason. Right. It also enabled you to plunder the church, the Catholic church, because it was, you know, they taught it was the whore of Babylon. And the, the third thing was, they held that you could, might be required to take an oath, but you were never bound by them. Mm. And in a feudal society, everything is held together by oath, not by written contract. Mm -hmm. And so this was a social – this was social acid that destroyed the bonds. So, you know, you might, you know, uh, say a knight might hold his land from the Count of Toulouse. You know, I hold the land, I defend it, and then when the Count goes to war, I show up with so many soldiers. Well, you know, if you were – decided to go Albigensian, well, I can take the oath, I can get the land, but when the Count goes to war, I'm going to sit home with my guys. Mm. because I'm not bound by that oath. So you can see that it was just, it was absolutely destructive of all human relations in the south of France and northern Italy. So, you know, the king of France, you know, (laughs) since the general Simon de Montfort against him, but uh, the pope sent uh, preachers, first the Cistercians and then uh, Dominic. And as Dominic, what was interesting is that many times, just as in Catholic households, the faith is transmitted powerfully by the women of the family. Hmm. So it was with Albigensianism, uh, and so as Dominic conf- brought people back into the practice of the faith, first of all by explaining the scriptures with them to them, because the Albigensians got a lot of ground by by twisting the scriptures. They would use scripture, but use in a way that is inconsistent with the true meaning of it. So what do you do with now? You've got these women who had been fasting, who had been. Living severe lives of penance, as they're Catholics, should they go back to drinking beer for breakfast, as was the ordinary <laughs> custom in in the Middle Ages? After and, all, the
0: water wasn't too safe.
1: It wasn't too safe, right? But uh, should they go back to meat eating? Because they left off the meat eating. Should they leave off prayer? And so what he did was he he brigaded them into a house a house beginning at Prui, uh, in the south of France, with uh, as as nuns, hmm. and so they he uh, he gave them the white habit. He uh, set them an authentic path of living scripture, of liturgy, and and the and in some ways the, sh- the contemplative side of the Dominican life that the friars lived was first formed and shaped in the crucible and laboratory of prui
0: which is where the first which is where the first Dominican nuns were, nuns were yeah. founded, right. and
1: so and since then the. You know, it has grown from there. Saint Sixtus in Rome was made into a Dominic a, a house of Dominican nuns uh, it hadn't been it had been sort of there had been some problems in the house, but they put on the Dominican pe- program uh, and so forth and so forth and so, uh, so on. Uh, monasteries have been founded in different places. Uh, hmm. Budapest is an interesting story about the foundation there. The the uh, the The king of uh, Hungary wished to have a – his daughter wished to enter Dominican life at about four. Four years old? Four years old. (laughs) And so daddy built a monastery for her (laughs) and filled it with Dominican nuns who then – because they didn't have him. And Uh so now (laughs) it comes out. Of course, this this is St. Margaret of Hungary. Right. Who grew up and eventually becomes – Eventually becomes uh, abbess, uh, rather a prioress of the monastery and so mm-hmm. forth, a great saint. So there's lots of interesting stories in the foundation of all these monasteries, you know. Yeah, it's
0: fascinating that actually, in a way, the heresy of Albigensianism really, you know, got flipped over and actually mm-hmm. became, you know, in a way, a seed for a contemplative order.
1: Well, but dogma works the same way, you know, mm-hmm. the dogmas of the church are controverted, you know, uh, have been controverted. That's why the church has to come up with a definition. Mm -hmm. In one sense, to answer the heresy, which leads not – the doctrine that leads to a form of life that is not fully human, not in connection with God, uh, in some ways is awful. Like for the Albergensians, you know, it was – it was listed to smother your children because you would free their souls. Mm. Okay, but have children in marriage was wrong because you trap more souls in bodies. Wow. So I mean, it was oh, this is a really horrifying heresy, but um, but but to set now uh, a life that is correct, a life that is scriptural above all,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this is of course something that is not new to the to the St Dominic's time. This has been something going on. Since the early ascetical life, or the desert you could look at Elijah and John the Baptist as progenitors of the monastic life, but you can also bring that more explicitly into the like the second and third centuries with the foundation of monasteries in Egypt mm-hmm. as people, as the, as the Romans stopped, the pagan Romans stop persecuting Christians, the question is, how do we now radically live our baptisms, and this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. what's the straight road to heaven? Why, how can I live simply and uninterruptedly a path that will lead me certainly to God? The one answer to this is a monastery, hmm. you know, where you uh, where the whole life is ordered to the service of God and to prayer.
0: Right, and so these uh, these women who had been um, you know, caught up in the Albigensian heresy came back to the Christian faith, and I remember reading that some of them, or perhaps many of them came back without their husbands or mm-hmm. or their families, um, meaning that from a social perspective, they were in a very precarious situation. Right. Um, it was not a time in which women could um, easily easily support themselves or live on their own um, without the support of their family. So that and, was yet another and reason. And the protection of no, your family. And the protection of your family.
1: No police forces.
0: Right. Yeah. So that was yet another reason that would be formed into communities by Dominic um, you know, in which they could they could live together. You know, as you know, by by taking the vows that um, uh, that were similar to the vows that had been taken by um, the monks and nuns. You know, right. centuries before and centuries since. So, um, so for for Dominican nuns, since many of our listeners may not have uh, perhaps ever met someone in a contemplative vocation, they may some of them may have uh, perhaps even many of them may have met. Uh, Sisters, for example, you know, by teaching in school or, you know, helping out at a hospital or a healthcare right. setting in a parish setting, probably, perhaps, few have actually met uh, cloistered nuns, including Dominican nuns. They don't tend to go out of their monastery unless at need. Well, like um,
1: to go to the doctor, to go to the doctor, you know, something like um, that.
0: But, but so, so, what are ways in which people can uh, could actually get to know them?
1: Well one of course is by uh if there's a Dominican if there's a place near you, a monastery near you is attending liturgies there. Hmm. So um they're not parish churches, obviously, so there's no baptisms that go on there, there's no uh none of the regular sacramental life. You normally don't do RCIA and so forth at these places. There are always exceptions because of the local needs, like in mission territories Sometimes monasteries have become more actively involved, and the Mill Hill Fathers in South Africa actually began, I think, as Trappists, Mm. but they began as monks, and then the needs of the people were so great that they turned to active ministry. So Mm -hmm. each house sort of has its own interesting history on these things. But I'd say normally, I mean, this is how I actually met the Trappists, how my own vocation began in Massachusetts, is I met the Trappists up at... In uh, Spencer? At Spencer, Massachusetts, and went up there for a retreat with my brothers and uh, was so moved by the beauty of the life that I, would, I was ready to apply that, that that weekend. Wow. You know, it's uh, seventh grade I'm in, so mm-hmm. seventh grade.
0: But so you're a little bit of a later vocation than uh, no Margaret, little, but, of, yeah, that, Margaret of Hungary. Yeah,
1: compared to Margaret of Hungary. <laughs> but of course, I hadn't met Dominicans yet, mm, you know, and of course, right. with the Dominican friars I met. An order that had all the desert spirituality and the Mm -hmm. choir, the beautiful sung, choral office that I loved, and also had the mission of preaching, which fits me. Now, Mm -hmm. if you you know, the Dominican nuns have always, I think, assisted the preaching by our prayers, and I have often sent requests to them to pray for specific intentions uh, when I'm on the road preaching for particular communities, so that uh, their prayers might open up a grace. For the community to whom I am preaching, as well as a grace to the preacher who is preaching, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so so, and they're they're wonderful prayers. You know, you get the nuns yeah. on something, and amazing things happen. Mm-hmm. So so, this community is interesting. They were fa- They were up in Buffalo uh, for a while, and over the past 50, well,
0: since nineteen oh five, so since nineteen oh
1: five, a long while. But since the past. 50 years or so, the, the community's changed. It's actually been a little on the physically dangerous side for them.
0: Not the nuns, the neighborhood.
1: For the, well, yeah, oh yeah, the nuns <laughs> did not become dangerous. You're right. No, the neighborhood <laughs> became dangerous. So at any rate, um, so they've uh, they made this big decision, which is, a, I think it must be horribly traumatic for a community that's been there so long. Mm-hmm. Over a hundred years. To, over a hundred years to come out here and to Begin anew in a diocese that does not really has not had. I think we had poor clerics in Portsmouth for a while, but um, what currently does not have any purely contemporary r- religious in it, right? And so this is a this is a wonderful and beautiful thing I think for uh, the Diocese of Columbus that's coming up here.
0: You're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Parish in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio today by my confrere, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. And we've been discussing Dominican nuns, especially um, the uh, community of Dominican cloister nuns that has recently come to the Diocese of Columbus. Um, They, uh, in Buffalo, were known as the the nuns of uh, the Perpetual Rosary, I believe.
1: Oh, right. Um Right. Yeah, this this is sort of a 19th century accretion Mm -hmm. where uh, different monasteries of religious uh, Dominicans uh, ended up with particular devotions. Mm -hmm. So one, and this one was one of those that adored Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament perpetually. There's always- So perpetual adoration. Perpetual adoration. There's always an honor to on guard before the sacrament. Um, Other groups like our Lancaster nuns who were formed actually from a third order group originally mm-hmm. um, they were perpetual rosary okay perpetual rosary and there wasn't so big a requirement for latin in their devotions and so right. forth but these nuns are, are are very strong on the latin
0: right so what's so what would be a day in the life of a nun be like
1: well um they rise very early i mean every monastery has its own schedule according to its mm. needs but um, and there, of course, the present group is just starting up. Mm-hmm. They've only arrived a couple of days ago, and as when this program is being reported, and I said mass for them this morning. So mm-hmm. um, they're going to be coming in stages. There's about there. Sh- there will be about twelve of them resident, and a few others who are going to older sisters who will be going straight to nursing care. But um, but uh, they they will be up extremely early in the morning. Uh, Rising is often. These monasteries around five thirty, and you know morning uh, the office readings and morning prayer will be done, and then uh, there's uh, then mass. Uh, mass is currently being celebrated uh, there at seven seven thirty in the morning during the week. I think eight thirty is going to be the uh, get to sleep in a little bit on Sunday. <laughs> uh, eight thirty in the morning, and um, and then. The day would be filled with work and then punctuated by the recitation of the minor hours of the office. So the liturgy of the hours. So the so prime, terce, known, and sext, and then vespers in the evening, and at the end of the day, compline, which finishes the day.
0: So about about every three hours, there's but a punctuation of prayer.
1: And they they and uh, usually you drop what you're doing and end up in the chapel. And in the course of this there will also be time that is listed for lexu divina for the spiritual reading of the scriptures mm-hmm. and uh work periods because nuns have to have to work they have to keep them uh different monasteries according to their strength and their numbers and the age of them uh have to do different things some some monasteries the whole charism like with the poor clares uh are you know subsist on alms Others, like Trappists, say, it's Trappist nuns, will uh, have a, a work of manual labor that they do. So um, the Trappistine nuns in Massachusetts, where I'm from, at Rentham Abbey, uh, make unbelievably good candies, mm. toffees and mm. caramels and so <laughs> forth. And that's how they keep themselves going. I mean, the, mm. the, the Trappist at St. Saint, Saint Joseph's in Massachusetts and Spencer are... Have been selling jelly for years. They sell the produce of other monasteries, honey from uh, from Utah, and uh, and cheese from Gethsemane, Kentucky, and and they recently started making their own monastery Trappist style beers. Okay. So that's wow. yeah. So so with what these sisters are going to do, some of our Dominican nuns have had uh, ministries which are often connected to the ministries of the church. So. Uh, Sometimes the beautifully illuminated uh, gifts are part of what you can find in their gift shops. Uh, you can find—I uh, know there was one time a group of them were actually serving as typists for one of the local uh, marriage tribunals hmm. for the bishop, and they were able to do this electronically so they didn't have to leave the monastery.
0: Wow. Right, because they always pick something they can do in the monastery. In the
1: monastery, exactly. Right, yeah. they're
0: not going to go to an office outside yeah. somewhere.
1: Sometimes it's beautiful. Traditionally, one of their arts was gorgeous uh, embroidery. But again, mm-hmm. you have to have people who are uh, interested and talented in that regard. Not right. everybody has the patience or the focus to, to make the unbelievably beautiful paintings in silk thread, which are mm-hmm. characteristic of their art. Um, so... Uh, as I said, uh, now ma- oftentimes they will sevast, They will f- uh, f- uh, live a very mortified and poor life. So the diet in some of these monasteries is still, since the days of Dominic, completely vegetarian. You know, uh, I think the buff these nuns who are coming into the diocese have meat three times a week, except when the long Dominican fast starts uh, September fourteenth. For the exaltation of the cross, and that goes to Easter when they'll go down to meet two times a week. Mm-hmm. So they've so again the observance gets accommodated according to the needs and abilities right. of the individual uh, sisters. There's uh, but the great thing about being a Catholic is that you will always be able to find something that enables you to approach God at your own pace, your own speed, your own abilities, right. and. And so this is this is a wonderful life,
0: right? And it's a life of you know of simplicity. It's a life um, of, of, of great of great prayer uh, and time for prayer. a Life of, of work, but also they they have times of recreation. Right. You know, they uh, they have a lot of silence in their life, but they do have a period, usually at least each day, where they can talk and.
1: One of the. The specific things about Dominican nuns is that they do share in the charism of the fathers in that we are primarily uh, community-oriented. You know, that mm-hmm. we are to practice charity in the community, St. Augustine says. Now, the other big orders of friars with their nuns, remember, were founded as hermits. Mm. So the poor clerics for the Franciscans and Carmel- the Carmels of the Carmelite order. I'm being redundant. And then, uh, you know, the Augustinian nuns, you know, or the her- the Augustinian hermits. All these religious houses were, which have contemplative women, these were founded um, with a hermit tradition, which we don't have. Right. For us, it's always been about the pressure cooker of charity, which is the community. Right. You know, uh, as my novice master once said, you know, you know, you will find that you will be able to live in charity in this, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, with people you would never pick as friends. Right. You know, even right. a family, in some ways, there's some connection, you know, at least in the attraction of husband and wife to each other uh, that got them together. Mm-hmm. But with with these, it's it's what the Holy Spirit brings you and how, how everything uh, grows that way in charity and peace. Right. So, as I said, uh, one of the fun things about – I remember – is how happy they are. Right. How happy. And people think nuns are like gloom and doom and, you know, you, you know oh, how awful things are. Part of this is how the world looks at monasteries with, with absolute terror. Mm. But in fact, they're, uh, I remember my sister met her first cloistered nuns one time at the West Springfield uh, Dominican, Dominican nuns, nuns, you know, and uh, she'd never met them before. She'd met, and, uh, She'd been going through some boyfriend problems at the time. This was earlier in our our Mm. lives, and uh, but and we had a riotously good time as the sisters said goodbye to me at the end of the retreat I was giving. And as I walk out, I say to Julie, "You know, so what did you think of your your first cloistered nuns?" And she growled at me, "You know, nobody should be that happy." (laughs) 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 But it is a a joyous life, and I'm I'm hoping that. as they start up in a new place, that the Lord will bring them new people, right? You know? And they're they're as I said, it's a decent sized community as it is, but it would be wonderful to if this becomes a place where uh, other women find a way to enter that enclosed garden, which is the monastic life, mm-hmm. and find walking with God as in Eden, you know, mm-hmm. the bridegroom of their souls, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. present, active. Loving.
0: Right. Yeah, as you were saying that, um that was a question that goes back to the very early centuries of Christianity, you know, mm-hmm. especially after Christianity became an official religion of the Roman Empire and it was a little bit more few and far between to become a martyr. That's right. That's right. <laughs> How does one find the most uh straight and un- uninterrupted road, you know, to eternal beatitude? And Could, and, and yeah. sometimes for many people the answer was in a monastery, in a place mm-hmm. where your life is, is regulated, your life is, um, in some ways, to the outside world, uh, restricted. But um, when you're on the inside, you realize that, that these are exactly the things that you need in your life um, to, to create a beautiful balance. But the door's all open from the inside. Mm-hmm. It's, and the,
1: the structures of the world are just to prevent the nuns from being bothered by the world. Sometimes I mean poor blessed blessed Diana, remember, was pulled through the grate by her family who didn't want her to be a nun. I mean once. Mm-hmm. They tried to pull her through the grate. She <laughs> broke an arm. <laughs> but but this
0: is a beautiful and holy life.
1: And I do hope many people maybe people find it as this community takes up its new home here.
0: Right. And and for other branches of the Dominican family Mm-hmm. They have a very special place as well for the friars and also for the third order sisters and and in some cases for the Dominican uh, lay fraternities of Saint Dominic. Right. Um, there's a sense in which this is this is kind of the uh, you know the, uh, the 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 purity of of the contemplative life, which is part of all of our lives as Dominicans because we're contemplative mm-hmm. and active. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they kind of in a joyful way sort of. Encourage us, give us a little nudge, you know, to not forget that we too have a contemplative dimension right. to our life as well.
1: It's one of those Dominican dimensions.
0: That's right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Parish here in Columbus. I've been in this, joined in the studio today by my confrere, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's end now in our prayer to St. Dominic. O light of the the Church, church, teacher of truth, rose of of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us us with the the blessed. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.